The Guardian. Six Nations Rugby with Ian Payne. Well, hello and welcome once more to the Six Nations show on guardian.co.uk with myself, Ian Payne, and our guests. I'll introduce them in just a minute. So, fourth round of games, one to go. What do we know now? Well, Wales have the Triple Crown and can still win the Grand Slam and Warren Gatland won his personal battle with Eddie O'Sullivan, although revenge had nothing to do with it. Uh, France, unsurprisingly, beat Italy not that easily and so now they need to win by 20 points in Wales at the weekend to take the title. If they win by 19 points, it gets very, very complicated and they may even share the title. Uh, they like upsetting the odds in Cardiff, though. Just ask the All Blacks about that. Now, uh, all our pundits last week predicted that England would win in Scotland. So, of course, they lost, uh, though Johnny did become the top point scorer in the world. Danny Cipriani missed out after a night out, though perhaps, ironically, he would have preferred watching the horror show rather than playing in it. So, what have we got today? We have on today's show Eddie Butler, the Observer's rugby correspondent and the man who keeps Brian Moore in his place on BBC television. How are you, Eddie? Very well, thank you. Uh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. A good weekend for Welsh sport. Uh, Guardian sports writer Claire Tolley is with us in the studio. You all right, Claire? Very well, thank you. Okay, and the Guardian.co.uk rugby writer, twice nominated in the British Sports Journalism Awards for his blogs. <laughs> Andy Ball. Hello there. Oh, good. Uh, it's a show of two halves as well. We're going to be joined later on by former England fly half Paul Grayson. But first of all, let's talk Wales because we have the former Welsh scrum half Rupert Moon with us today. Hi, Rupert. Hi, yeah. Uh, we want to hear from you out there. If you want to get in touch with us, you just post your blogs. And to do that, you go to the following site blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. That's blogs.guardian dot co dot uk forward slash sport right let's uh, ask the man who's just joining us for the first time what he made of the weekend's uh, games rupert moon first of all let's talk about wales and that victory uh, in dublin uh, a lot of our experts were saying they felt ireland would actually win were you surprised when wales won no i was actually on five live on saturday morning predicting uh, james hook would w score with a winning penalty and we'd win by three so i think i should be uh, <laughs> get my crystal ball which is bizarre i uh, know but um, no i'm just i'm impressed by our ruthless uh, lack of creativity when we need to be we, we, <laughs> and, and that's that's quite nice from us and uh, i'm sure uh, mr butler will agree we, it's always been our downfall the romantic way of, of playing has always been there for us but showing the ruthless efficiency has been something we're not very good at well and, uh, how would you characterize ruthless efficiency apart from um, different to what you did before well not passing the ball out and uh, keeping it with the forwards uh, allowing steve jones to do what he does so well which is if in doubt tuck it up marie jumper and carry it forward uh, kick to corners, keep the ball on the park, uh, not turn over ball, uh, and all those nice nice things that we would love to do uh, when you've got 10, 15 minutes uh, that you need to just calm the game down or, or suck the life out of the opposition. And we're able to do it now, which is great, part in fact with Ryan Jones being in attendance, which we haven't had for a while now, and so these last few games have been great. Eddie, obviously, obviously you were at um, uh, Murrayfields. I'm not sure. Did you see much of the Welsh game? I did, yeah, and I watched it, yeah. What did you think? Oh, I thought it was very, um, very efficient. I, I, I thought Ireland would be, would be too strong at home, but uh, Rupert is absolutely right, and uh, what makes it all possible is the improvement of the Welsh forwards, and uh, especially the, t the tight five. I always thought the back row would be good, and I like the balance. Uh, I think Jonathan Thomas has been... Uh, unsung this season on, on the blind side. You know, a lot of talk about Martin Williams and Ryan Jones. 
the balance is good in the back row, but the vast improvement has come from the front five, and it just gives Wales so much more scope to, to A, keep it brutally tight, and then launch Shane Williams with, with great success when, when the moments come. I think Alan Wynne-Jones and Ian Goff, you know, they have become a world-class second row pairing. I mean, I think the interesting thing as well was um, on the weekend was the fact that uh, Wales played so well when they were down to um, 14 men. Both times, you know, they kept hold of the ball and they, you know, they didn't allow Ireland to come back into the game. I mean, I think that was, you know, one of the things that stood out for me. I just admire the way that um, they hold ball and they retain ball. But you know, this side fundamentally is the side that has been playing for the last couple of years. You know, we, with the uh, obviously Gavin Henson coming back and showing that he has the ability just to do the basics well, with Ryan Jones obviously being efficient. But more importantly, if you look at we missed three kicks uh, in the Fiji game that hit the post and one that was missed in front of the post by James Hook. In this, in this championship, I think we've only missed two about out of 20-odd kicks, which is, you know, Chris Patterson-like mm-hmm. in the way that we kick, which gives you that lift and the fact that you can just get away from sides and gives you that breathing space. But I think Gatlin's team talk is all about efficiency, keep ball, keep ball, don't pass it out, don't pass it out. And then one time later on, there will be a, an opportunity and we have devastating finishes and we're very blessed with that. It's, it strikes me, Andy, that looking mm-hmm. at the Six Nations and how rugby is evolving slowly, that, that we are now mm-hmm. in, the, in the era of safety first rugby. It's, there's a lot of kicking, there's a lot of 10-man rugby, there's a lot of just pass it to the next forward, he grinds on. And, and trying to get possession back is actually quite a difficult thing now and defences are so strong breaking through on the first phase is almost impossible. What do you think of the way that the Six Nations has evolved and shows us how rugby is today? Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily an era of defensive rugby. I think you'll find that part of the game has always been there, and it's something you match to situation and conditions and opposition. But the professional era has certainly tightened up defences, don't you think? Oh, certainly, but it's tightened up all aspects of the game in a sense, hasn't it? Because people are that much better in every, every department. But one thing, standing back slightly from the technical appreciation of the game and how well Wales played, was for a spectator... There was a tension to it, but it was pretty much a dismal day of rugby on Saturday. Mm. And there was a lot of prime time coverage, which mm, I'm not sure how much you know people who were just interested in the Six Nations would have enjoyed that. It's, Eddie, the point that was made in, by a couple of commentators in the papers is the way that, that teams now run down the clock. If you have possession and you're one point ahead, it's almost impossible for the opposition to get the ball. And they yeah. just keep going and going, they get, and they get into the red, into the 80 minutes, and then just thump it into touch, and that's it. No, I think it's a worrying element that what began as a, as a one-minute exercise is now a four-minute, five-minute exercise, and, and, and something has to be done about that. I think Andy is both right and wrong. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> the, 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 I, I, Something does irritate me about this whole notion to downgrade the quality of, of international rugby simply because England aren't playing very well. You know, you, you, you can't have it always. You know, you talk about improvements of standards and you talk about appreci- appreciating you know, Shane Williams. Well, there's no point in having basketball where Shane Williams scores eight tries a game. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to enjoy moments. You know, a 1-0 victory in football can be just as satisfying as, as, as an 8-3. I really do, I just, I, 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 I accept that rugby is not a mass appeal sport. But there's plenty of drama in tension in, in, in the Six Nations, and it doesn't have to justify itself in terms of quality the whole time. And the World Cup was the same. You know, the World Cup was worse, actually, because it was nothing but booting the ball into the air. <laughs> well, that was England got to that final without actually playing. 
<laughs> without actually playing <laughs> any type of style of game besides kicking the ball. And, and I, I think the interesting thing is, and which which worries me a little bit, but in one way I feel very confident, the new rules start have started already in the Southern Hemisphere. Wales go to South Africa in the summer and play two tests for the first time with these new rules, and that's going to open the game up. No, I, just, I think, Rupert, they're the old rules, aren't they? The old laws. Yeah, old rules, exactly. Okay, just, just going back to the good old days, wrestle with the ball on the floor, uh, free-for-all, uh, five yards back for the, the back line from a scrum, so it's going to free up more space, which can only suit us uh, as, as Welsh players, and so it's going to be fantastic. So, so if we can do it now, master this this uh, unattractive way, and then when the, the freedom and the space comes, well, I, lo and behold, the world is our oyster. So, so the law is being changed here, or being reverted back to, presumably to make the uh, the attacking side give them more an advantage, yes? Yeah. Yeah, basically, it's just to show, it's to open the game up, free the game. You know, in the Southern Hemisphere, they do play a very cavalier style in the Super 14, but when it comes to the real games, they just close down and they don't play. Well, now everybody's going to play with it, and that will suit Welsh rugby because we have those flair players, and now we have a pack of forwards with a lot of experience. You're going to look at those two props of 40 and 50 caps. Uh, you know, Jonathan Thomas, 40-odd caps. You know, the, the most inexperienced, I think, in the back row was Ryan Jones, and he was one of the best. <laughs> mm. So overall, Eddie, I mean, the Welsh have improved uh, immeasurably and in no small part to Warren Gatlin. Do you think there would have been a little bit of revenge in the air? Because he kept playing it down, didn't he, publicly? He did, and, uh, well, to the extent, I think he's a bit he's a bit fed up with BBC Wales for, <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> for harp- harking on harping on about the, um, the Eddie O'Sullivan-Warren Gatlin split. But, it, you know, it's, it was a little dramatic moment in the, in the career path of Warren Gatland, and there was a little bit of bitterness about the way he departed Ireland. And also, you know, you have to stress that he went on to much bigger and better things, and, 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 and he would not be the coach he is now if he hadn't gone to Wasps and gone back to, to Waikato in New Zealand. So, so it's all turned out fine. It is, it is but it is a, it's a good story in its own right. And if we and if we do refer to it, it's because it did exist. And and um, yeah, he's going to have to live with it. Let me just ask you both then, as two proud Welshmen, do you have any misgivings at all about the fact that Sean Edwards, an Englishman, is helping your team win the Grand Slam? Possibly none whatsoever. I think when you pull on that Welsh jersey, whoever's coaching you. They're proud it's a professional era, and I, I just think that none whatsoever. It's a professional environment. Do you think you win the Grand Slam, Rupert? Without a shadow of a doubt. Really? Yeah. Why are you so confident? I just, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in the eternal optimist. I've always been a believer when against all odds, and I just know now, I look at that side, they've, we had the romanticism uh, and the, the creativity of Gareth Jenkins from before. This guy's brought a different efficiency, Hanson-esque efficiency to the side that have moved us on. And now with Sean Edwards into the mix, there's a bit of a, a tough edge which we needed and which we, we like elbows and knees and we love all that and just give us that respect. And I think uh, come, come at the hour, the Welsh will step forward. I'm, I'm an abject pessimist, Ian. And I, yes, I you are. <laughs> I think Wales will win the Grand Slam because I do, do think you? once they get on a roll that it can prove impossible to stop in, 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 the, short, in the short space of the Six Nations. I think if Wales have a break now, they might have to go back and start all over again. But just in, in the context of this being the, the, the last match of a tight series, I think, they will, um, I think they'll consume and, France. And the most important thing, presumably, will be building on this, won't it? Because the last time Wales won a Grand Slam, there was great hope, wasn't there, in the <laughs> Principality, and it just dissolved. 
yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we yeah, sacked sack um, the coach and started all over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Rupert, thank you very much for sparing us your time. No problem. Good, Good luck. luck. Good luck uh, against France at the weekend. Thank you. Okay. Um, Eddie, a quick word about uh, Ireland and, and how you feel they must react to the defeat because it was a very close game and Wales did play very well. Yes, there was a recommendation after the World Cup, which went very badly for Ireland, that uh, they put in place a, a backs coach to assist Eddie O'Sullivan. Uh, and O'Sullivan said, no, I'll do it my way. So actually what has happened is that Ireland have done nothing in the Six Nations. They, their play has not progressed to any degree at all. And so I think Eddie O'Sullivan is right back uh, with his job on the line. And I'd be very surprised if there weren't major shake-ups in Ireland after this Six Nations. I, I do qualify that because actually I think they may well beat England at Twickenham. Again. Mm. Yeah, Claire, again. Do, you, do you sense that, that England really, you know, they might be in trouble again? Yeah, definitely. Why? I think. Just, they've got to bring, build themselves back up after that performance in Scotland. And I just think that Ireland are going to come over, as Eddie was saying, you know, they've got a good record at Twickenham. And although they've lost to Driscoll, I think that might actually, if I say it's a blessing in disguise, then I, I think they need, yeah, they need some changes, Ireland admittedly, but I think that I fear for England now. Mm. It, does, it, it leads us on nicely to the, uh, the subject of England, who lost again at Murrayfield with uh, dreadful conditions, but that shouldn't be an excuse. Scotland have only tried, scored one try in the tournament, um, again, one through the boot of Patterson. He never looks like missing. And Johnny Wilkinson had an off day. In fact, some people are even suggesting the heresy of Johnny Wilkinson being dropped for the very first time. These are various blogs on Johnny Wilkinson. Uh, this is from Papa Ron Board, who says, uh, I feel like billing the RFU and Rob Andrew for wasting two hours of my life watching one of the most <laughs> worst performances in 20 years. Never have England looked so clueless, devoid of any game plan or semblance of leadership, well, since the second half against Italy and Wales at least. Wilkinson, looking beyond his immense contribution in the past for his country, is fast turning into the Skoda of fly halves. Deplorable tactical kicking and offers virtually nothing in attack besides the crabbing shuffle across the field, eating up all the space for the outside backs. I must admit, I'd never thought I'd hear that sort of criticism of Johnny Wilkinson. Andy Bull, what say you? Yeah, England, I mean, you're going to be surprised if they turn it around and beat Ireland next week. I'm not especially, no. no if you I look don't. back over this year, they're, they're studded with terrible performances. You go back to Croke Park, last year's Six Nations. Look how quickly that chap's forgotten the 36-0 against South Africa in the World Cup. This England team, we know they're capable of falling apart over 80 minutes. I've got quite a lot of faith that they'll get themselves together again this week, as they have done on previous occasions. Uh, Eddie, England seem to be a very good uh, uh, when they have to stop a good side, but when they have to win a game against a side that's less than them, and they are the favourites, they, they seem to find it difficult, don't they? And particularly if they fall behind early. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Andy's right, you know, that uh, against Ireland, they, they might have enough, because Ireland aren't, aren't in good form themselves. But I still think that's no measure of, of what, where a World Cup final side should be. And I do think they have got serious problems. That this, this sort of natural progression towards a, a more open side, a more youthful side, slow planning for the next World Cup is derailed now. Uh, and I think they will be forced to make changes. And, and, I, and I do, and I, never, I never thought I'd hear myself saying it. I think that includes exchanging Johnny Wilkinson presumably for Danny Cipriani, which will make for an interesting conversation between Brian Ashton and young Cipriani. You know, that, you know, so you would drop Wilkinson? I would, I would, yeah. You wouldn't play Hodgson? No, 
Who's going to kick? No, not Charlie. Charlie Hodgson came on for the last, what, ten minutes and, <laughs> and mm. did exactly what Charlie Wilkinson did. Who, who's mm. going to kick, then, if Wilkinson's not playing? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> You've got to uh, have a plan B. I really don't care. Let's, let's ask someone who might Simon know. Shaw. Let, Simon Shaw. <laughs> let's not worry about England having a kicker for God. <laughs> right. Let's have a, let's have a word with somebody who, who did kick for England. Paul Grayson joins us on the line now. Paul, how are you? All right. Yeah, good. Thank you. Excellent. What did you make of what Eddie was saying? There? I mean, who would kick if Wilkinson wasn't playing? Um, I suppose if you played Cipriani, Cipriani would kick. He's been kicking goals for. Um... Is he good? Is he as good as Johnny? Uh, well, Johnny's just broken the record for the all-time point scoring, so he's got some way to go. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But he's uh, he's certainly got ability as a kicker. I, I think he works with Dave Allred on off his own bat and gets his um, pound notes out of his own pocket in order to do that, and he's certainly come on. So uh, I don't think goal-kicking is the be-all and or, or a massive worry for England at the moment. I think the direction they're going as a team is more of a concern. Would you drop Johnny Wilkinson? Um... Uh, possibly time for somebody else to have a go. Not not um, to write Johnny off, and he he, he gets because he's so high profile. When England don't play well, um, a lot of it lands at his door. But in a game where weather conditions were poor, England went to Murrayfield and were beaten in similar weather conditions in a Grand Slam game a number of years ago. It was a repeat performance, and you'd think that 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 Wilco might have uh, moved on as. Um, Claire, what, how do you feel about Johnny Wilkinson and what they should do with him? Stick or twist. It's got to that stage though, hasn't it, where Brian Ashton's been saying that the players, he, sa- he said before the game, the players have got to front up, the senior players, and at the end of the day, Wilkinson's one of those that didn't. So when does he get dropped? Um, so would you? <laughs> having said that, no, I wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> no, I'd play Cipriani at fullback. No. Andy? Yeah, no, I'd bring Cipriani in. I mean, let's fly half. Yeah, what's the thing to lose? I mean, Ashton's got his job on the line, but <laughs> yes. Well, okay. Well, that brings us nicely round to the subject of Danny Cipriani. I would like to just get everyone's thoughts on the Cipriani situation and how it was all handled. Eddie Butler, do you have sympathy for Cipriani? Should he have been dropped? Yeah, no, I think everybody should go night clubbing. I do. <laughs> and, uh, think the, I, I imagine. I imagine what what caused all the fury was these codes of conduct conduct tend to get written by the players themselves, and the more Brian Ashton said. Oh, it was my decision alone. The more me thinks that actually it probably wasn't, that the players probably twisted his arm. And I don't think it was the first time that Danny Cipriani had been in a spot of bother. But I, I don't care. I like a bit of a rebel spirit. And I think there should always be room in a camp for somebody who is a bit different and who challenges the system and, and who's, you know, who isn't conventional. Um, what England are crying out for on all fronts, and probably the discipline front as well, is somebody who breaks the mould. Do you see a bit of him in you? God, I will. <laughs> 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 I wish I had half his talent. <laughs> you know, no, no. I, you, know, you weren't I, a rebel, were you? No, well, it wasn't good enough to be a rebel. You know, you. Mm. If, but if you have got that sort of talent and you are slightly offbeat, then go with it. Give them, give them their head. You know, I, I, I did play with one who was truly off the wall, and and that was David Bishop. And it do, it does require a certain man management, and you well, know, sometimes you do rein them in, but most of the time you say. Go with it, Bish. Well, when you say when you say he was a bit of a maverick and a bit different, what did he do that was different? Oh well, he had the red mist problem, and the red mist came down. I mean, anything could happen, and anybody could get clouted, and generally did. So uh, you know, there was there was a, a, a measure of violence to be uh, <laughs> to be handled, <laughs> and he could be fairly hairy off the pitch as well. But that that's fine, you know. Pack him in a taxi and send him off home when when, when the moment <laughs> comes. And you know, I, I don't think Danny Cipriani was drinking, and I don't believe for a moment either he was delivering tickets. 
But if he was out clubbing and was still in a fit state to play for England, then go with it. Paul, uh, we, we, we all, we, it's all a bit prep schoolish, the whole treatment of professional <coughs> sportsmen. Paul Grayson, where do you stand on the should he have been dropped debate? It's an interesting one. I think it piled more pressure on an England team that didn't need any more pressure putting on them because all talk all week was should he have played, shouldn't he have played. And you could see from the interviews in the press beforehand that that, that they'd sort of clearly been told this is the line on Cipriani, don't talk about it, which added fuel to the fire, really. So I don't think it helped in terms of what I've heard since about it. I think Clive Woodward made a lot of sense when he said... It was a chance to put your arm around a player and say, listen, Sunshine, this is not exactly what you should be doing. Go out and have a blind at the weekend and we'll draw a line under it. We won't do it again. Mm-hmm. But that opportunity was missed. But do you, do you sense, like Eddie, that he had previous? Uh, I, I think he has a certain reputation within the game. Does he? Um, what does that mean? That he is different. He's a party uh, animal? Um, no, I don't, no, I don't think it's necessarily that. It's a little bit of that... London lifestyle, I suppose. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing yourself um, any harm, but maybe he moves in, in circles that aren't traditionally associated with rugby union. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head. Yeah, what, no, I was, good, I was really interested. I was just about to follow you down that <laughs> road, but if you don't know, then I, I won't ask. But you know, what are non-traditional rugby sort of situations then? Yeah, look, it, it's, um, I don't know, 10 years ago, is anybody following? Is there a phone call from a paparazzi saying, oh, I've just seen... Jason Leonard popping in for a beer into uh, <laughs> Fair and, 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 and waiting outside with a camera to, to catch him and put him in the paper. I mean, you'd have a fair chance of catching Jason in the summer. Yeah. Um, do you, do, but do, it, it just wouldn't happen. Would do, you, do you think he'll definitely play then uh, against Ireland? I think he'll play and I think it will cause as much trouble as not playing him this weekend did. What do you mean? All the talk will be about Cipriani's back mm. in. Mm. Last week will be brought up again. All the talk will be his relationship with Brian. Nobody, nobody's focus will be on. This is actually a free game for England. We've they've been poor this Six Nations. Maybe they haven't quite got selection right. And now's a chance to say, well, let's get out there and throw the kitchen sink at it and give some of these young lads their head. Um, looking towards the summer tour and and put some put some positivity into it but I, but I think the fact that Cipriani will come back in will mean that you know it'll just be a fortnight of talking about that lad and, and his relationship with Brian and what that's doing for the team. Do you think actually that, that, that Brian Ashton has now heaped more pressure on himself and his future because of this? I think the, the nature of things now is that everybody's expecting 100% correct decisions all the time from coaches and players and the scrutiny is now at a level where you make you make a couple of mistakes or perceived mistakes, the result doesn't go your way. It's not, it doesn't become a disastrous campaign. You move on to the next thing. Everybody says, oh, well, is your job on the line? You know, O'Sullivan's in the same position. Frank Haddon was a week ago, but in, but now he's won and it's taken the pressure off. So I think things have changed and, and everyone's forgotten how poorly the Welsh players played in the World Cup because Edwards and, uh, and Gatland are getting the best out of a talented squad. So I think... There's always going to be those conversations. England struggling, the coach is under pressure, whoever it is. Yeah, if you want to uh, join in with the discussion, just we'd love to hear from you. All you have to do is post your blog at this address, blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. This is from uh, Zojo, who's uh, from London. He said, England were awful. 
but the writing's been on the wall since the Welsh game. Ashton just doesn't seem to have a plan. Is he trying to introduce a new style, or is he going with the stick-it-up-the-jumper approach? Is he bringing in new blood or sticking with experience in vital positions? It's a bit of everything and a lot of nothing. Johnny was woeful. Vinicola was a big disappointment. It says something for the level of play in the English backs that Bolshaw looked almost the pick of the bunch. Scotland won deservedly because they played to their strengths. They had a plan, and they kept with it. England just kept kicking it away. Pathetic. Let's talk about Scotland. Enough of England. How well did they play and did they deserve it, Claire? I knew you were going to ask me that question after I um, said um, last week that I couldn't see how Scotland were going to win. I should have added the caveat of uh, unless England play like... Well, unless it <laughs> rains and it, England play badly. Oh, no, like no, no. It has well, done, like they've done, I don't know, four times at Murrayfield in the last England beat England beat France in the 2003 World Cup semi-final when it absolutely chucked it down. They mm-hmm. can play in the rain perfectly mm-hmm. well. They just had an absolute When they're the shocker. underdogs. I'm not entirely sure they were the underdogs. But it's France. In the, in the World Cup semi-final four okay, years ago. Mm, well, I think it's 50-50. Okay. But um, anyway, I think they can play in the rain. I think they had an absolute... They just had a complete shocker. Why? Uh, Is there no game plan with Brian Ashton? Is it the players' fault? Is there no one making they decisions didn't play on the, the pitch? They, the players have actually come out and said that they didn't play to the game plan. You mm. know, there was no... I think what was mostly disappointing was... I mean, Scotland did play very well. Sorry, you want to talk about well, no, Scotland? No, I keep drifting back. I'm sorry. No, no. You know, that... Scotland are, I'm not going to deny that I think that Scotland are limited, but what Scotland could do, they did extremely well. And having said, you know, I was talking up um, England's back row last week, I actually thought that, you know, the Scottish back row was superb Mm. on the weekend. And I think they pressured England. England's kicking was out of hand, was bad, and, you know, they didn't manage to get any territory. What Scotland did, they did well, but, you know, they didn't look like scoring any tries either. It's almost like the the, the team, like Spurs beating Arsenal, they don't do much during the season, but they've beaten their rivals, and that's good enough for the supporters. It almost feels sometimes like that with Scotland, does it? Or is that unfair, Andy? Well, I don't know, you'd have to ask a Scottish supporter, wouldn't you? But I'd, I'd love to know when people decided that going to Murrayfield and losing became a bad result, like as such a catastrophe. I mean, this is the well, Six the way Nations, that, this is the Scotland. Way that Scotland have played this home, season, you yeah. wouldn't expect them to win, would you? Well, yeah, but the you bookmakers know. didn't. So, what are you saying? That England have you know given right to turn up? No, and but the better side should win a rugby match. But and England weren't the better side beforehand. They were, weren't they? But you know, what does the previous round mean? This is Scotland at home. You know, this is a huge match. They've got every right to go out and thrash England. Why the hell not? It's the Six Nations. It's what it should be. Eddie, do you agree with that? Well, they've only managed it twice in 18 years, so uh, history favoured the English. I take the point. I, well, mean, Scot- I, I think, I think mm. the point was, Scotland, the back row is always going to play well. Mike Blair was exceptional. Hugo Southwell at fullback was good. So basically, you've stopped England. Your back row stopped England. Your fullback stopped England with the kicking game. And that should not have been it, because England should have had something else to throw at the Scotland. But they didn't. And I just think there is an ambiguity about England. They don't know what they're trying to do. They don't, they don't know where they are heading or with whom. So I, I honestly think that there is what was going to be steady progress and gradual improvement and, and, a, and an evolution of, of change and, and whatever has collapsed. And I think, you know, once you reach this point, you may as well have a clear out and, and put in a, a new breed that will go all the way through to the next World Cup. Paul, do you think it's time to really shake up the England team and change everything, maybe it coach, policy, direction, or not? I'm not sure. I, Post-World Cup, England were bad at the World Cup and then, and then suddenly got it together and played with a lot of emotion, a lot of belligerence, and got to the final, and that sort of changed the landscape. But by all but, accounts, that was down to the players having this post-South Africa 36-0 thrashing meeting. Uh, but yeah, but you know, every team that's ever played at some point has had a meeting where the players have said uh, have stood up and, and aired their views that's why you have senior players that's why you have 
captains and leaders in your team because you're supposed to have a voice because ultimately you're the people on the pitch trying to deliver what and get the results you want to get. I just have a quick look at Wales and Wales seem to me to be picking just about the best team they can to try and win the game. I don't see a lot wrong with that as a development tool for a team. If you pick the best team of the players who are playing their best in whatever competition it is and they come into the England team, you should have a chance of winning every game and evolution happens. If Cipriani is playing the best as a number 10, he gets picked. It's a basic premise and it generally you'll end up with your best team on the field and the results will reflect that. If you've got a good enough team to beat whoever you're coming up against and you've picked your best players, then you'll beat them. Sport is sport and you'll lose the odd one. But that change and development of the team happens happens naturally. So do you think we stick with Brian Ashton finally? Um, Brian's under pressure. I think they need to get the Ireland game out of the way and uh, put in a decent performance. And when they are a few, they'll probably have another review. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good way to end things. Thank you very much indeed, Paul. Very good to talk to you. Thanks for sparing us the time. Pleasure. Six Nations Rugby from Guardian.co.uk. So the situation is that uh, England, as uh, Paul was saying, they have a free match, really, against Ireland coming up uh, next weekend. The big one will be Wales against France. Let's consider France and the fact that they did win yesterday. They beat Italy by 25 points to 13. It means they have to beat Wales by 20 points in Cardiff next weekend if they're going to win the championship. But uh, Wales on for the Grand Slam. Um, Eddie, how did you rate France's performance against Italy? And do you think that they can win by 20 points in Cardiff at all? Uh, I think it was typical France. I think they they sparkled on occasions, and I thought they looked very vulnerable on occasions. And it's just a question of uh, of working out how to <laughs> how to keep the one down and, and exaggerate the other. I suppose there's no f- real fear at the moment that they're going to explode into 80 minutes of brilliance because they haven't shown that yet. So as long as Wales contain them and almost lure them into a into an adventurous game. I, I think Wales will win this quite comfortably. And if there's, any, if there's any question of 20 points, I think it'll be Wales winning by that margin. Do you agree with Rupert Moon, who was talking at the beginning of the podcast, that, that Wales have really reverted to a different style? It's not the flamboyant fling-it-and-run-it style. It's a more 10-man rugby, pound-pound, just get it to the forwards and create yeah, no, another no, That's absolutely right. I mean, if there's one thing wrong with the Fiji performance, it was, it was just from the word go, they engaged in a, in a game of sevens against the, the best sevens team on the planet. And what Warren Gatland has done, and, and this stands in stark contrast to, to, the, to the England camp, is that he has just simply introduced clarity. He has said, we are going to pick him and him because there's a certain job to be done. And if we change it, it's because the job description changes. But the players will know how their roles have changed and what is expected of them for such and such a game. It is precise, it's detailed, but above all, it is clear. Mm. That, I think, is the message from the Six Nations, that if you get woolly, you get beaten. I think as well, you know, Eddie, what you were saying just then um, about the... you know, when you talk about um, the 10-man rugby, surely the important thing for Wales this weekend is France have, have been throwing the ball around. That has been almost a hallmark of them in the Six Nations. Surely the, the point now is that, that Wales have got to stick to what they're doing and not get drawn into doing that from the off. Otherwise, you could end up you know, almost going down that Fiji route again. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, especially since the French pack is begging for a little little going over, really. I mean, you could, don't say that very often, but the French pack is vulnerable at... At the scrummage, it's vulnerable at the, at the driving mall. They did put in one huge driving mall against Italy, but by the end, they looked knackered. And they looked, uh, you know, you're, you're expecting a side under pressure at the set piece to run and run. 
and you can't do it. A dominant pack can run and run because going forward is so much easier on the heart and lungs. But if you're struggling for set-piece possession, you simply cannot, cannot run and run. And I expect Wales actually to really hammer into them at every possible opportunity for half an hour. Yeah, OK. Well, Ed, Eddie's made that point very, very well about the, uh, the clarity, Andy, of, of what Wales are doing, picking certain people for certain positions. France, on the other hand, you're never quite sure what sort of team Livermore's going to pick. No doubt he'll make even more changes again this weekend. Yeah, it's one of the oldest, laziest cliches in the Six Nations book, isn't it? That line, you never know which France team is going yes. to turn up on the day. Well, that's literally true. It really is true now. changing the team for every match. Um, he's certainly got an outstanding match 22 there. I don't think anyone doubts that. He's just got, got to get the combination quite right. But there's been enough individually brilliant performances over their campaign for Wales to be worried, I'd But say. not to win by 20 points, surely? No, no, not unless the game turns into a farce, um, and that's not going to happen. But I don't think I'd write France's chances off for winning just yet, to yes. be quite honest. That'd be very the, the pressure on Wales as well. The pressure was greater on them against Ireland, and they handled it. But their performance wasn't quite as convincing as I thought some people thought it might be. Mm. It wasn't for me, anyway. And that pressure's going to be magnified again. It's going to be huge this week. I mean, Eddie will be able to tell you about that, what the expectation's going to be like pressure on the players internally is going to be like. Yeah, no, I, th- I, I think that's absolutely right, Andy. Now, you know, if France went, I don't know if Eli Salde is going to be, but even Yashvili, Tanduk, Josian, Thai, mm. Claire, mm. Malzieu, or Rougerie, and, uh, and well, who, 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 who don't you want at fullback? I, I, Heyman, mm. Amos, I, I wouldn't want Amos at fullback. Yeah. Suddenly, you're looking at a three-quarter line, oh dear, that could do, that could do a whole lot of damage, but <laughs> if, he, if he puts the kids in, I think Wales would be all right, but I don't know. I mean, who knows what Lievremont will do? But I do know. I would never. I would never dismiss France at all. I mean, mm. you know, even I'm not that stupid. <laughs> right. Let's get some predictions then to uh, finish off with. Um, I think Eddie, you said Wales will win. Yes. I do. I do. I, I just think that the role is with them. Uh, England, Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I do. uh, um, uh, England. England. Okay. Italy, Scotland. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, Italy. Italy. I mean, thank you. Uh, Wales, France, Claire. Wales. England, Definitely. Ireland. Oh. Actually, no. Having said that, um, I fear for England. I'm still going to go with them. I still think they might just pip Ireland. But I think it's going to be very, very tight. Right. Uh, Italy, Scotland. Italy too. And Andy. Finally, Wales, France. Uh, I am going to go for France because I think he's going to pick his best 15 and I think he's going to shock quite a few people but I don't think they're going to win by 20 so Wales will get the championship. Okay. Uh, England, Ireland? Uh, That is dead flies for blind spiders. What does it matter? What does that mean? (laughs) What on earth does that mean? There are some proverbs I never understand. That. What on earth does that mean? Dead spiders? What is it? Dead Dead fly on a web. Blind spider can't find the fly. Doesn't matter. Nothing's going to happen. Okay. We're back on those magic mushrooms. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's be quite important for Eddie Sullivan. I know you've just come back from the Caribbean, but that's ridiculous. Uh, Italy against Scotland. Could you give us a result there? Or is yeah, that I, no, for, uh, no, I Italy, know, I, I'd love to see Italy win that. Sardines, seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> When's a toilet? Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much uh, to uh, one and all, to Claire Tolley, to Andy Bull, and to uh, Eddie Butler. Uh, also, thanks to our previous guest, former England player, Paul Grayson, a former uh, Wales scrum half, Rupert Moon. We're going to be back on Thursday to look ahead in more detail to the finale weekend of the Six Nations Championship 2008. Don't forget, you can always get in touch with us by posting your blogs to blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. 
Uh, we're looking forward to a really great game at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. Uh, Wales or France, France or Wales, we'll have to see. England, Ireland, Ireland, England, who cares about the spiders? Until then, thanks very much for listening and we'll speak to you on Thursday. Goodbye. Six Nations Rugby from Guardian.co.uk For more great downloads, go to Guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.